Isaiah chapter number 28. Good morning. You guys excited? Amen. All right, me too. Um, let's talk about, well, today we're going to talk about uh, our title of this series, of this portion, which is our question and answer portion. As you can see, it says part 2.1. That means we're going to have the continuation next week. It says, uh, here a little and there a little. And that comes from Isaiah 28, verse 10. We're, we're going to talk about that uh, in text later on. But let's go to our review before we, re we read our text. All right, review from last week. Some basic rules in studying the Bible. You're going to see this uh, exhibit A in some of what we're going to talk about today. And uh, did you know that wars have been fought over this book? Did you know that, that people, uh, clans, families, even maybe, I'm sure, almost whole countries have been massacred over this book? And you know why? Because one group would say, this is what this book says. And then the other, uh, the other group would say, that's not what this group says. And then the first group would say... Well, you better believe that's what this book says or we're going to kill you. And then that's what happened. That's why on our last two weeks, uh, the, the past two weeks, we were talking about Porch Pirate. We, talked, we, we, we mentioned something to the effect of if this book is sharper than any two-edged sword, it's dangerous to play around with it. Amen. This is serious stuff. And that's why we have some basic rules in studying the Bible. The first one, A, remember, make sure you have a blank word-for-word -word Bible. Pure or perfect, amen, praise God. And like I said, you're going to see this in front of your very own eyes later on with the verses that we're going to look at exhibited. Number two, never add to or take away from the Bible both in your... In P, paper, and your thoughts. Amen. Uh, so Christians right now, even in our group, in our fellowships, in our, maybe you know some of them, they won't take a pen and change something in the Bible because they know the Bible says don't do that. But in their minds, you know, when, they, when you ask them, where does that say that in the Bible? Oh, it's there somewhere. But it's not. So don't add to it in your paper. Don't subtract to it from paper. But don't do the same thing in your mind as well. Number three. Always take the plain blank meaning of the Bible except where it, the context says it can't be literal. Amen. Number four. Never take a verse of scripture out of context. Number five, number five, when it comes to the definition of words, never define Bible words by men's wisdom. words or wisdom. Amen. So like, like we said before, uh, dictionaries are great. Matter of fact, that's, I, I collect stamps and dictionaries. That's what I collect <laughs> of different languages, even if, I don't, if, if, even if I don't understand that or can't speak those languages. But... 
Dictionaries are written by men. And if they're written by men, therefore they can have mistakes. If we're going to define the Bible, which we know is perfect because we have a perfect God, amen, with something written by men, that's indirectly saying that the man who wrote that dictionary is more knowledgeable by God uh, than God. So be careful. I'm not saying don't use dictionaries. Those are good tools, but that cannot be higher than our authority. Amen. Number six, always consider the blank and the blank. Speaker and the audience. Praise God. All right. So let's go to our text. And this is why we called it here a little and there a little. Isaiah chapter number 28 verse 10 says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your words. And just like the text said, and I know we've read the context of it before, whom shall he teach wisdom and whom shall gain understanding? Lord, we pray, Father, that you, we would, you would help us uh, not just go to one specific scripture and then just gain something from that, taking it out of context. Help us, Father, to dive deep into your words and to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This we ask, Father, in your Son's name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So this is our question and answer portion. This, then you, like I said earlier, it's part 2.1. Because next week is going to be part 2.2. Ta-da! Guess, uh, so we're going to be tackling two questions. One came by way of letter. And I'll read this to you here in a bit. The second one is, uh, and I'm going to tell you, the, the, first, the question right now has to do with the kingdom um, from a letter by one of our Jehovah's Witness friends. And the second one is, uh, what is the difference between being spiritual and being religious? So come back next Sunday if you want to hear about what's the difference between being spiritual and being religious. Come back next Sunday if the rapture hasn't happened yet. Amen. We'll be here. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm going to read this letter. And it says, I'm writing to you today to share some good news. While on earth, Jesus Christ spoke about, about God's kingdom more than any other topic. Which, by the way, is actually true. Okay. Uh, if you run the references... You will see the word king, kingdom, or in all its different forms many times in the Bible. Uh, Jesus Christ spoke about, oh, sorry. He also taught his followers how to pray for that kingdom to come in the model prayer, which is true. Um, but who is the audience of that is the question. Have you ever wondered what exactly that kingdom is and what it will do? At Isaiah... 48 verse 17 and 18, the Bible states that God's kingdom is a government in heaven that can benefit its citizens personally. This kingdom will bring people or peace on the, to the earth. So when will this happen? Please check out www.jw.org for more information on what God's kingdom can mean for you. So before I start, let me... Let me first say that we're not here to pick on people. 
or to be ugly with people who don't believe the same things that we believe. But we want, of course, to see what the Bible says. And also, to be fair, I went over to that link that they asked us to go to to see if we have any questions to make sure I want to, I want to sort of present what they believe according to what they say, not what I think they say, just so we're fair with them as well, okay? So Jehovah's Witnesses, number one, let's talk about what they believe when it comes to salvation. And as you can see, there's the link down there that they said uh, to go to if we have any questions. So I'm going to read it real quick. Deliverance, when it, when it talks to, about salvation, deliverance from sin and death is possible through the ransom sacrifice of Jesus. Correct. To benefit from that sacrifice, people must not only exercise faith in Jesus, but also change their course of life and get baptized. So the first statement was correct. Because it came from the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice, amen? His death, burial, and resurrection. That red part over there where it says, if you want to benefit from it, though, you have to have faith in Him, but also, faith, but also. So does that not sound like faith plus? But also, change their course of life and get baptized. Here's the thing. Being a good person is great, and that's what we encourage everyone. That's not, not I, but the Bible encourages us to do. Amen? But that's not, the, that's, not a, that's not the cost, or sorry, that's not the, yeah, I'm going to use the word cost. That's not the cost for salvation. It's the effect after salvation. Amen? So, first statement, true. Second statement, mm, that's adding something to the gospel. So, that's another, yeah, exactly, false, another gospel. Next, however, salvation, uh, sorry, um, a person's work proved that his faith is alive. See, they went to James again, the book of James. However, salvation cannot be earned. It comes through the undeserved, undeserved kindness of God. So, the first statement is true. Second statement is not true. The, sec the third statement kind of just is confusing or showing us that they're confused. What is it? Do you, is it just fate? Can you not earn it? But the second statement says, but you have to earn it by being a good person and being baptized. See that? Next. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. What is, the, what is their belief about Jesus? We follow, and this is again from that link. I just copied and pasted it, pasted it. We follow the teachings and example of Jesus Christ and honor Him as our Savior and the Son of God. Thus, we are Christians. So, good statement, good statement, all right? Here's where it comes to fall apart. However, we have learned from the Bible that Jesus is not Almighty God, and there is no scriptural basis for the Trinity doctrine. That's where it becomes a problem, though, right? Amen. Again, I'm not trying to be ugly with anyone. 
uh, there was a time, and I, I think you, I've told all of you about this, there was a time when I would debate people in a drop, drop of a hat. <laughs> I think I've kind of mellowed down a little bit already. <laughs> what, but when it comes to the crucial, crucial doctrines, life-changing, salvation-bringing doctrines of the Bible, that's when we need to make our stand. Amen? So, remember we said earlier you have to have a word-perfect, word-for-word Bible? One of the reasons of, for that is this. How many of you have used a concordance before? You know what a concordance Yes. That means if you want to find this word in the Bible... You look for that word and it'll show you all the other words in which verses they were used, right? So again, concordances are good tools, They're, but they were compiled by men. So I'm not asking you to stop using them, but I'm just saying be careful and be prayerful. Amen. All right? So the reason why it's so important to have a word-perfect Bible is because if you have a Bible that does not care whether the translation is correct or not, then those cross-references would not hit. Let me show you. I mean, let the Bible show us. Amen. Woo! You got to be careful. Amen. Really, there's no scriptural verse or foundation that says Jesus is God. Well, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 7, most, one of the most contested verses in the Bible, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the what? The Word. Notice it's capitalized. The Word and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Right? These three are one. So a tripart, just like when we talk about the parts of man, when man has three parts, uh, his body, his spirit, and his soul, so that's God. Amen. Father, the, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And we're going to see who's, who that Word is later on. But before we, go that, before we go there, let's see what their Bible says in the New Word Translation. Note before we go there that this is just one verse. This is 1 John 5, 7. 1 John 5, 7, and 8 in the New World Translation. For there are three witness bearers. I underline that because that's their own, that's their verse 7. The next verse is verse 8. The spirit and the water and the blood and the three are in agreement. What's the difference between being in agreement and being one? Is there a difference? A whole world of difference. Amen. Of course, if you're going to base your doctrine in that, of course you're going you're gonna to think that, yeah, the, the, there is no scriptural basis for Jesus Christ being Son, being God. Amen. But who is that word? If we run our cross-references, the capital W word in the Bible is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The small w word, plural, words, is talking about the Bible. Right? So, you know that your cross-reference would, would bring you over to where? John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the capital W word. And the word was with God. And the word, what? Was God. Later on in verse number 14, you will see the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, who, who is that? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
No question about that. Amen. So, so is there no scriptural authority? You, well, if you use that Bible, then probably not. Because in their Bible, it says, in the beginning was the word. Hey, at least they got that right. Capital W. And the capital W word was with God. And the word, see the importance of just adding one small word? One letter. Amen. And the word was a God. So, oh, for time's sake, let's just keep on going. Amen. So that's talk, we talk about their belief in salvation. We talk about their belief in Jesus. They talk about, well, let's talk about what they believe about death. And you know that we can wax eloquent in a lot of these points over here and prove what the Bible says. But we've talked about hell a lot before. We've talked about Jesus Christ and his deity and the gospel and stuff like that. And that if you add to the gospel, it becomes another gospel. Amen. What do they believe about death? And still... You can see that in their uh, website over there. People who die pass out of existence. They do not suffer in a fiery hell of torment. God will bring billions back from death by means of a resurrection. Uh, however, those who refuse to learn God's ways after being raised to life will be destroyed forever with no hope of a resurrection. Now, let me say this. I know there's a lot to say about these things, but the question, I can only go by what the question is, all right? So no matter how much I'd like to talk about them. Um, but let me submit to you, when you teach a doctrine that says after you die, it's done. There is no suffering for, for the wrong things you've done, or there's no rewards, or there's no heaven, or there's no hell. You know what that's a danger for? That's a danger for people committing suicide just because they want to get out of the hardships that they're currently in. That's why in these last days that we're in right now, that's why suicide has skyrocketed. People are desensitized by, by either TV or doctrines like this saying, there's no hell, you're not going to suffer for it, you're not going to pay for the consequences of your sin or the wrongdoings that you've done, you're not, gonna, you're not going to be in a fiery hell of torment, you know, so young people or just anyone would say, you know what, I am tired of my life right now, I want to end my suffering and end their life. So... That's why things like these are very, are very um, dangerous. And then earth. What do they believe about earth? God created the earth to be mankind's eternal home. Kind of partly true. When I say partly true, it's because God, if you remember heaven, remember when we talked about the behind the scenes about heaven? God created earth to be Israel's um, uh, inheritance. Us, we're part, I'm part of mankind. Are you part of mankind? Our inheritance is up in heaven. So, partly true. So, anyway, God will bless the obedient people with perfect health and everlasting life and in an earthly paradise. So, like I said, I would like to talk about a lot of those, but that's not really the question. The question is, question number one, per their beliefs, 
Are we in the kingdom right now? Are we in the kingdom right now? And you might be, you might be asking, what does that have to do with us? Why is that so important? Why does Brother Francis keep on talking about we're not Israel, we're not, in, we're not searching for the kingdom, we, we, we don't need to steal the promises that belong to them and just stay within our boundaries. Why is that important? Well, I'll show you why. I'm glad you asked, Miss Maria. Oh, she's not here. <laughs> All right, the kingdom of God, this is what they believe. This is a real government in heaven, <clears throat> not a condition in the hearts of Christians. It will replace human governments and accomplish God's purpose for the earth, which is true. Um, it will take these actions soon, for Bible prophecy indicates that we are living in the last days. Now here's what it says. You ready for this, Brother Bill? <laughs> Jesus is the king of God's kingdom in heaven. He began ruling in 1914. Right? So, before we go forward, there are perhaps more pragmatic ways to prove that we are not in the kingdom yet by discussing items like if we're in, in the millennial kingdom, and you're going to be talking about this, lions can lay next to lambs and nothing will happen, right? In the millennial kingdom, people will beat their swords into plowshares. Have you heard that before? Meaning there'll be no wars anymore, right? In the millennial kingdom, temple sacrifice will be activated again. Actually, the law will be activated again, right? In the millennial kingdom, not now. In the millennial kingdom, signs and miracles can be witnessed, witnessed by physical eyes again. In the millennial kingdom, Israel will be the head of the nations. In the, is that happening right now? Nope. Are any of those that we mentioned happening right now? No, exactly. In the millennial kingdom, Jesus will be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will rule with an iron rod. Is that happening right now? No. Did that happen starting in 1914? No. Right? So, like I said, if we just attacked it, if we just talked about it from those perspectives and from those points, it's probably a quicker way. <laughs> well, you know us, we don't like to take the quicker way, amen? We like to have part twos and part threes from our messages. Uh but I wanted to show you the dispensational way, using right division. Amen. So we've talked about this before, uh, last week, some, in, uh, some fundamental differences between Israel and the body of Christ. Uh, and we talked about the inheritance, future and inheritance of Israel. All right. Our concern as the body of Christ is things above. We're looking up for the Lord Jesus Christ to come, up, come down and take us away. Amen? The Israelites are looking for their king and for the kingdom. Our Father, which art in heaven. They're talking to somebody in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Literally. I know people use it as you know, a model prayer, just like what's mentioned in here about, you know... Uh, 
when, when, when you start your prayer, make sure you're, you're worshiping God and you're glorifying Him. Then you're praying for your needs. You're praying for other needs. Just teaching it that way, right? But literally, the answer to that prayer happens when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and brings the millennial kingdom. Right? So, um, the Israelites, we look for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and Catch us away. The Israelites are looking still to this day for the kingdom to come. Right? And because of that, remember in Genesis, we just, we breezed through, we're just going to breeze through this because we talked about this last week. Uh, the, Lord Jesus, the Lord God told Abraham from the beginning, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed for how long? Forever. He says, look north, look south, look east, look west. He, guess what he's using when he did that? His physical eyes, right? That means it's a physical piece of real estate. That land is theirs. It's been in contention for the longest time, amen. But that land is the people of Israel's. Um, and I will give unto thee, ver, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 17, verse 8. And I will give unto thee, to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, and the land of Canaan for an how long possession? Everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And then in Psalm 11, verse 29. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Right? But that's not where we're looking. We're not saying, you know, when we share the gospel right now, the, the body of Christ, when we share the gospel, do you say, hey, guess what? If you accept the, the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work of Calvary, His death, burial, and resurrection, plus nothing else, when you die, God's going to take you to Israel. We don't say that. When you die, God's going to take you to heaven. Amen. Because that, that's what our inheritance is as the body of Christ. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter number, or 1 Corinthians 5.1, For we know that, our, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, meaning our body, because this body that you see right now is just the shell for the soul of Francis Simeon, which is me. Amen. For if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the where? Heavens. It's going to be up there eternally. Amen. So how long are we going to be in heaven? Eternally. Amen. So our inheritance, the inheritance between Israel and um. And the body of Christ is way different. So he, here's our chart again. So we were talking about Abraham earlier. And then Moses, the lawgiver, David. Over here, all the prophecies that you're going to read over here is saying, Hey, the kingdom, the king is going to come. And Israel is going to be the head of the nation. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the literal king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to rule with an iron rod right here. This one over here, everyone right now, you and I are in this point over here. That's why it says you and me. 
Conveniently, I put that right close to where the rapture is. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. It may happen today or tomorrow, but be ready. So, their inheritance is an earthly kingdom. That's why after the great white throne judgment, you will read in Revelation chapter number 20, the new Jerusalem coming down. Amen? Us, however, we're going to be eternal in the heaven. All right, so next. Program. So we know, number one, uh, the inheritance and the future of Israel and the body of Christ is different. Number two, program. Are our programs the same? Israel's program is what we call prophecy. This is going to be a little bit technical, but bear with me for a second. Israel's program is what we call prophecy. Our program is what we call the mystery. Right? Watch. In uh, Acts chapter number 3, verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive unto the times, until the times of restitution of all things, watch, which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. So since the world began... The prophets would talk about the kingdom. All the contents of what's prophesied is about the king and the kingdom. This one, however, was hid. Remember we read that verse in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, I believe, that had the princess of this world known about this, they would, he would not have crucified. This is called the mystery. Right? Everyone thought from here. From here, everyone thought that it's just going to be Israel. And everyone, the Gentiles, will have to go under Israel if they wanted to be saved. That's why, remember the Apostle Peter? When he was up in his house and then all of a sudden he had the vision of all those animals coming down. And God says, rise and eat. And, and, and he says, nope, I don't want to talk about it. I, 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 I'm, I'm commanded by the law that I'm not going to eat, about, or I'm not going to eat anything that's unclean. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, there was a Gentile that sent for him. Anyway, that's a different topic for another day. But... All the subject, all the, co the, the contents of everything that's prophesied has to do with the king and the kingdom over here. But this was a mystery. Watch. Uh, this is in hmm, Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 verse 27, uh, to 27. Are you still there? <laughs> Wake me up, all right, if I fall asleep. Wherefore, I am made a minister. Who's talking here? The Apostle Paul. Who's he talking to? The Colossians, the Christian Colossians. According, or to the same Colossians. According to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, watch this. If you think, if you believe what Jesus said, that every word of God is needful and is pure, watch every word over here. 
even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and generations, but now, during the time that the Apostle Paul was there, is made manifest to his saints, to whom, the God, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the who? Not Israel anymore, the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? So it was hid. This mystery was hid from what? Ages. Ages. And from generations. Right? But now, when the Apostle Paul dispensed it to them, it's made manifest. It's not a secret anymore. It's not a mystery anymore. And by the way, a lot of Christians and pastors and preachers today still don't understand what this mystery is. Remember this verse from last week? 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1 to 2. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the what? Mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. What is that mystery? We talked about it. To whom God... What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? What is that? Christ in you. Now, remember over here when the Lord Jesus Christ was still in the world. In John chapter 4, remember he passed by Samaria and then he talked to the Samaritan woman. And then he says salvation is of the Gentiles. Or salvation is of the Jews. Remember that? Because all throughout over here, when people wanted to be saved, they have to go underneath the Jewish program. And then all of a sudden, God broke forth that mystery and said, not here anymore. Jews, Gentiles alike, there is no more difference. If you want to be saved, you don't have to go under the program of Israel, Gentiles. All you have to do is believe. Can you imagine when the Apostle Paul and Silas was in, this, in, that, Philippian, in, in that jail and then and the Philippian jailer says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What did he say? He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen? So, so uh, the inheritance is different. The program is different. Ours is the mystery. There's this prophecy. All right, dispensation and operating system. For there, theirs is the law. I'm, I'm going to go breeze through because we don't have time. The Israelites to whom pertain it, the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the what? The law. What about us? What's our operating system? What's our dispensation? The grace of God. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And this is why, this is the answer to the question earlier. What does this, this letter have to do with me? What is the importance of trying to figure out what part of the Bible is ours? You know, what's the importance of trying to distinguish the, between the kingdom and the body of Christ? If you are working under a program of the kingdom, then you need to be put under the law. Then you will be operating under the law. We are not under the law. Christ is the end of the law unto everyone that believe. Watch, watch, watch the wording of this verse. If you don't have this verse memorized, I encourage you to do so. Look, 
for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live what? Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope. See those three things that grace did for us? Grace brought us salvation. Grace taught us to live, to deny ungodliness and how to live. And grace taught us to look for that blessed hope. In churches these days, people will say that they believe in the dispensation of grace, but they don't understand it. People talk about the dispensation of grace. They don't understand it, but they benefit from it if they really are saved. You and I have been in different churches. And you'll know probably, you probably even know the, the, the you probably picture the name of the church or the pastor that was like this, that was this way. You and I have been in churches where they say they believe in grace, but the pastor just runs you like you're under the law. The law demands. You either do this or you do that. You don't do this, you don't do that. That's what the law does, right? Grace teaches. Grace, the, the law, sort of like my teacher with the spanking stick, with the yardstick. If you don't do this, whap! And then I have another teacher called Grace saying, I know you're, yeah, I know you're always falling in this part, you're failing in this part, but let me teach you so you know what to do. See the difference? So if we are in this, if we are in the kingdom already, just like what the question says, then we will be operating like the church is a kingdom. There, you, know, you know as well as I do that there are some preachers who, and pastors who act like they're kings. Right? But that's not our inheritance. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of churches. And again, I'm not pointing fingers anywhere and I don't, need to be, I don't want to be ugly. There's a lot of churches who focuses on worldly things as if this is our inheritance. If you don't do this, if you're not faithful, God's not going to make you rich. If you're not faithful, God's not going to heal you. If you're not faithful in your tithes, in your attendance, God's not going to give you a new car or a new home or a new job. That's all earthly things. I'm not saying you're bad for wanting those. As a matter of fact, work hard for those. Amen. But that's not what our program is. Our inheritance is we're supposed to look up. Amen. If we are working under, if we are in the kingdom, then our, up, uh, our program is prophecy, not mystery. You know what prophetic program entitles? Or it, the prophetic program gives you things that you can see with your physical eyes. Remember in, in, in uh, Exodus, Moses says, Stand! 
fast or stand up and see the salvation of the Lord. The Israelites. That's why Israel, the Jews, require a what? A sign. Because they want something they can see with their own eyes. That's not how we work. We work in the mystery program. We walk not by, not by sight, but by faith. So a lot, of, a lot of churches, they think they're in the kingdom. They operate just by what they can see. Oh, this church must be blessed by God because look at how many people are in the attendance. Oh, this church must be blessed by God because look at the numbers on their giving. Oh, this church must be blessed by God because of their property. It's things that you can see. But that's not how we operate. We operate in the mystery. We want to make all men see what is that fellowship of the mystery, which is God in you, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. You can be saved without going under the kingdom prophecy. Amen. And then last but not the least over here, we are not under the law anymore. We are under grace. And no matter, sometimes, I know, I understand, you and me, we all want to just sometimes pound it to our, 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 our brother in Christ or our relative or whoever, our, our, our loved one. Why don't you just straighten up your life? Sometimes we want to act like how the law acts and demand people to change their lives. But the Bible says the grace of God bringeth salvation. Before you have them change their lives, they have to be saved first. And we are not in a program where we can demand things anymore. I, you know, as much as I can, I would love to have every one of our members over here. Amen? But it's not for me to call out names in the pulpit and say, Why are you not here? Because the Bible says, grace teaches us. There are things that people need to do in their lives, amen. They need to be somewhere. But, you know what? On top of that, I cannot demand for them to do what they do not want to do. Or what they cannot do. And then it, grace also teaches us for that to look for our blessed hope, which is the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Question number one, as for the JW, are we in the kingdom already? Did it start in 1914? It's going to happen seven years after the catching away. Amen? But for us right now, if we're not in the kingdom, then let's not look at earthly things. Let's set our affections on things above. Let's not run our program by seeking physical stuff. Set our affections on things above. And let's not walk in the law. Let's walk in grace. If you're, not, if you're here and you don't know if you're saved, you're not sure, the Lord Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again for you. Whether you're here or in your internet land, the Bible says, if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And if you do not trust that gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection, you are lost. 
Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for, that, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto everyone that believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You mean to say I don't need to be baptized or I don't need to do anything? No. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us uh, your words. I pray, Father, that you would help us understand that we are under grace and not under the law anymore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Lord, if there's anyone here who's not saved, whether it's here or internet land, I pray, Father, that you would help us uh, help them realize that today is the day of salvation. And for those that are saved but need to be encouraged by what we talked about today, we pray, Father, that if anything, if nothing, Father, you would help us realize that we are under grace. Grace teaches us. It does not demand. It is patient. It does not demand. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with us. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us. And help us, Father, to live our lives being excited about our blessed hope, which is the coming of the Lord, the, the, the catching away of us by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray all these. Amen.